0: Hello everyone, happy new year, welcome to 2022 and welcome to a long overdue episode of Beast Pods. I'm delighted to be joined by two uh, guests, Uh, one of them you've heard a lot from over the last six years, I can't believe it's six years since we did our first episode, but a big welcome nonetheless to Mem. How are you doing this evening Mem? I'm very good thanks, how are you? Happy new year? Happy New Year. I'm very well, thanks. I'm glad to see you've woken up since uh, watching the last 90 minutes with me on that terrace <laughs> 24 hours ago. And we're also delighted to be joined um, by a guest, a friend of the show who's been on several times. The The fans were just demanding someone with a bit more insight, a bit more class than me and men. Uh So a big, big welcome uh, to John. Uh, Lewis, how are you doing this evening, John? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm um, very
1: pleased with our point at Boreham Wood. Yes,
0: yes. I mean, I think it was one of those ones where... It's a good result, I think. Would I want to go and rewatch the highlights? Uh, probably not. Um, but it, it does tie into a really positive picture, and we've seen uh, over the course of the last few months, um, you know, when football has been, been played, which has been a bit of a rarity in our league, um, some real progress. And let's start actually um, with you, John. Just thinking back to the, the Dean Brennan takeover from Harry Kuhl, um, what what's what have you sort of noticed in the last few months in terms of how we're playing under Brennan? And why do you think we've gone on a sort of an upward surge in form um, since the sort of pretty difficult starts of the season?
1: Um, I think the obvious thing for me, I think a big part of it is we've just sorted out basics. Um, we're setting the team up in a more sensible way. You're not looking at the team sheet on a Saturday afternoon thinking, hang on, is that a typo? What's that formation? Um, we've got better at defending set pieces. We've got better at taking set pieces. We're not conceding those early goals. We've got a bit more strength on the bench now as well. Um, and I get the sense there's just a more positive vibe in the squad. Dean Brennan always has a smile on his face when he's doing interviews after the game. I sense from the body language of the players, they're really enjoying playing under him.
0: It's it's interesting you say that because... Um obviously we've seen a real change in sort of positivity around the club Um, and I guess part of that's due to the results but part of it is due to to Brennan himself when you look at the players in particular have you noticed anything changing about them in terms of what he's been doing on the pitch or is it just a kind of a case of a a classic new manager bounce someone coming in with a bit of positivity lifting a, a half decent group of players and getting them playing football?
1: I think he's done a few things that stand out to me. I think um, we've now got a really solid centre-back pairing. Um, Greenwich and Richards Everton, they look really solid. Greenwich is an absolute beast. Um, we're, not conce- we're not looking vulnerable in the air um, like we were previously. I think we've beefed up the centre of midfield. I think having Sam Woods in there just gives us a bit more solidity. I think some of those games when we had Granville and Brundle as a midfield two, um, we were just getting overrun. And he's definitely, um, he's got the best out of Efron Mason-Clark, who can be a little bit of a confidence player. And I think for the most part, Efron's done really well under Dean Brennan.
0: Yeah, he's been one of those players that we've always sort of talked about as being up and coming. And it's, it's interesting, actually, he was getting quite a bit of stick, I think, maybe at the start of this season, towards the end of last season, for perhaps hanging on to the ball too long and not quite developing his decision-making. But I can't remember how many it's been, but I, I know that ephraim has been here you know, and, and worked under something like ten or eleven managers. Um and he's still incredibly young. You know, he, he broke into the side as I think just a sort of seventeen year old. So really optimistic about where he's going. And then coming to you then, you've seen obviously a lot of um changes, I guess, to the to the club in terms of since Brennan's taken over in terms of results. But what have you noticed perhaps in terms of the style of play? Is there anything that he's doing, perhaps doing what Sam said around the, the tactics or the setup? Or again, is it just a case of just galvanising a group of players that actually had a, a pretty decent underlying talent level? I
2: think it's been a combination of different things, actually. Um, I think what was clear to what was clear at the, at the end of Q's reign was that he was changing, chopping and changing the team, chopping and changing the formation every week. He he had, he was just throwing everything he could at you know um at the wall and hoping it's stuck whereas Dean Brennan's come in and it's really clear it's it's a very clear 4-3-3 system occasionally he, he adapts it to a 4-2-3-1 and I, I mean yesterday he matched up Bournemouth with a 3-4-3 but ultimately it's there's always a three players across the front line in some way two wide guys guy down the center always um which has meant and then he's brought in and the recruitment of people like Rob Paul who is um I was a bit skeptical because I've seen his injury record, but um, he's been brilliant since he's come in. Um, so he's brought some real quality into the team. Uh, one of the things he's done as well, which uh, which has gone under the radar, is that Sam Bid couldn't get a game under QL. Um and he's been probably one of our best players. Him and him and uh, him and Efron, Sam Bid, Efron, Mason Clark, probably are probably going to be battling it out for Player of the Season this year, um, and he's been unbelievable, but he couldn't get a game under Kul. So, um, so yes, he's just made he's made some really simple decisions, and also what he's tried to do as well with the centre of midfield, which is is still, in my opinion, the weakness in the side. He's tried to get an extra body in there, so uh, to try and also protect, you know, to get get a third person in midfield. So I think all these things have been really real clear idea of how he wants to play.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's definitely been been really positive, Um and even looking back to the the result over the weekend, we're just a lot harder I think to beat. I mean, you know, it's a low standard, what we saw on Zoom and... uh, or not on Zoom, but on the recorded games um, during lockdown. Um, But it's been a while since Barnet were a a side that were difficult to play against. And I think we're certainly seeing that, you know, there's no no more of the sort of risk of when a side, you know, when we concede an early goal or concede a a goal just after half-time, there's no longer the sense of dread that we're going to end up getting hammered uh, and and shipping three or four, which has actually been a recurring theme of of certainly of last season. Um, So a, a full credit. And I think it's actually it's very hard to turn around a club in a losing mentality once that losing has become a custom for a long period of time and I think it's easy to perhaps underestimate it because we're so used to expecting Barnett to being quite strong in this division as we have been probably for the last 20 or certainly the last 20 years right mid-table in this division with the exception of last season was where we were kind of the lower end of what we were achieving um when you actually have a year of doing really really badly we think oh we'll bounce straight back but actually it is quite hard and one of the things that Mem and I have said repeatedly is the league is quite difficult this year um, and the top end in particular, I think the quality level there is very, very high. So full credit to, to Brennan for that. Um, and I agree, absolutely, John, on, on, in terms of what you were saying there about you know Brennan just doing the simple things well and, and ensuring that we're, we're really competitive and, and hard to beat. The, the one question I would raise though, um, and I know we'll come onto this in terms of looking at perhaps some performances under Kuhl and the difficulty of those sides, is just the sustainability of the progress here because you know we are... Obviously, getting a lot of good results. Um, but I would say that we're, we're probably towards the upper level of confidence in terms of where our performances should be getting those results from. So to give you an example, we're, we're only winning by the odd goal here or there. Um, we're often winning with quite late goals. So if you look back to the Aldershot game where Rob Hall scored that fantastic goal, it's a great result. The Stockport game was a brilliant result. But again, it was quite sort of touch and go. Um, the Woking game, another very, very late uh, winner from Marriott. And um, so perhaps we're getting a bit of the, not the rub of the green, because you're you, you and are, you knock your knocking football, but we're certainly just at the upper end of that where some things are clearly going in the right direction for us. So, John, with that in mind, a lot of people getting very excited talking about, you know, potentially playoffs or seeing that we're at the top of the form table. My big question is, how sustainable is is the progress we're making under Brennan? Um, and, you know, I know you've been crunching some numbers, uh, so <laughs> without getting into too much advanced trigonometry, where do you have us uh, sort of continuing this trajectory?
1: I mean, my my sense is I think we'll probably finish about about 10th in the league come the end of the season. I think um, we've done well under Brennan, uh, we're picking up quite a lot of points. Um, I think since Brennan took over, I think we'd be about sixth in the league on a points per game basis. But we've probably played a slightly easier selection of teams than we played under, under Kuhl. Um, I think the fact that we don't win many games by more than the odd goal, to me, is one of the signs that I'd take of saying that that, that probably says something about sort of our current limitations as a side. Um, we're quite good at putting away teams in the bottom half of the division. We're reasonably compact um, and solid against higher level teams, but I think um, perhaps the lack of cutting edge up front, perhaps the lack of a real out-and-out goal scorer, I think towards the end of the season, I think we'll probably fall just short of the playoffs and I think we'll probably be ruining perhaps not having quite as much um, punch going forward as we needed. Interesting.
0: Mem, what about you? Do you feel that the level of success under Brennan is is sustainable? Is it realistic for us to kind of keep up this point per game ratio that we've had since he took over?
2: Like you, we were talk- I mean, we discussed it in. Um, well, actually, to be honest, I have just realised that a lot of this discussion we had was in the pod that never made it. So um, we made a pod. We made a pod that uh, didn't make. Didn't make the uh, cutting room out the cutting room floor. So, um, but we did actually discuss about the fact that obviously about this fact that we're winning games by the odd goal, except for obviously Maidenhead, where we won by three goals to nil. And sometimes you'll get games where uh, a period where you won't get the rub of the green, and those uh, one nil wins 2-1 wins will turn into a you know a reverse of that of that so my worry is, is that the creation of the chances we're not creating enough chances in my opinion to uh take points off some of these better teams and january's looking i mean January is looking a difficult month knots county away chesterfield at home stockport at home i mean these aren't easy ties um and then we've got the we've got the 85 percenters in, in february as well so um so we've got some tough games um, coming up. So my worry is is that I think throughout the team we look we're looking stronger, but I think what we'll end up doing is winning more games than we than we lose. But we're not going to make it win win enough games, in my opinion, to get us in the playoffs.
0: I t- I tend to agree with both of you. I think um, tenth would actually be a really good achievement based off the start of the season, um, which I think it's it's really hard to fix a poor start um, just because it sets in bad bad habits throughout the year um, and it was interesting we'll come on to Kiel's comments in a moment as to you know what his expectations were because according to him it was actually a good start you know when you looked at it no one <laughs> everybody expects us to lose seven games in a row or whatever it was he said um, but I kind of I agree with both of you I think a solid mid-table performance um, is probably where we are at and I do agree with what you're saying there Some about the lack of cutting edge up front and the lack of quality up front I think Bloomfield and Marriott are, are decent strikers I think they're better than what we had for example last season but I think if you look at the strike forces uh, of sides that are pushing up towards the top, even Boreham Wood yesterday, I know they didn't score, but you've got Bowdoin, you've got Tyrone Marsh, you know, they had Shamanga. Like that, those are the sort of players I think you do need at the top of the league, your Reese Murphys, et cetera, to really push you on um, to, a, to a higher level. I guess then on a sort of slightly broader picture, it's been interesting to see Brennan do so well in terms of the implications that that has for the model that, that Tony Clancy has talked about um, prior to the summer about a director of football and a head coach and talking about that word sustainability They're looking at a model that doesn't necessarily involve a manager, you know, coming in, doing well and then leaving. Obviously, we're in an interesting position as usual at Barnet where that, that much-vaunted revolution has lasted all of three months. Uh, and, but this is probably a, a better situation to be in um, in terms of ending a revolution because it's actually going reasonably well. Sam, in terms of your feeling about things, I guess there are probably three options. The first one is that we kind of... um keep muddling on with Brennan sort of doing a hybrid role of director of football slash head coach. Um, the second one is that we move uh, Brennan to the role of head coach and bring in a director of football. Or the third model is that we move Brennan up to director of football and then bring in a head coach below him. Um, and there may be other options that I can't think of. But of those three then, what what would you say you are sort of leaning towards as a fan this year?
1: Um, I mean, I think Dean Brennan's got to stay as as manager or first team coach or whatever you want to call it, the person in the dugout. We've done really well under him. He's brought a really good vibe to the club. Um, we've struggled in the past. Over the past 20 years, we've struggled with our managerial appointments. We've finally got someone who's really good. He's laying a good foundation. Um, it feels to me the vacancy, if there is one, is, is for the director of football position.
0: And and would you say there is, if, do you think the director of football is necessary? Or do you think actually, you know what, we're just, we might as well, we've got a good thing going on. Let's kind of keep it going.
1: Um, That's a difficult one. I think I can see value in a director of football, um, but if we get a director of football in, it needs to be somebody who can really take on that overseeing role. Um, There's no point getting somebody in who's underqualified or who's too inexperienced just for the sake of having somebody who has a brass plaque on their door that says director of football. I think Dean Brennan was a slightly strange choice for director of football back in the summer. Um, just because of his, he hadn't been in the game that long he's, he's clearly a fantastic manager clearly he's got a good track record there but I think as a director of football you need somebody who um, has been around the block a few times has got a lot of experience and who perhaps especially can oversee some of the kind of um, the kind of youth um, academy side and maybe is the sort of person that might have to be called in to make a decision at some point in the future about a manager if things aren't going so well And perhaps gives you a little bit more of an informed perspective if you've got to appoint a new manager. Um, But I think to get somebody for that role, um, that's quite hard. Um, You need someone with a lot of experience in the game. um, They probably don't come very cheap either. And I think it's only worth doing if you can really identify a really good person for that role.
0: Man, what what about yourself there? Do you feel that we are... Got a good thing going on with Brennan, we should keep it going that way, or do you feel that there's a need to kind of keep the structure in place that we talked quite a lot about on previous shows?
2: I agree with John. I think I do still think that there needs to be a director of football at some point because I, I do, I want the first team coach to be focusing on the first team. Um, and I want somebody who essentially like a Barry, what Barry Fry's doing at Peterborough, whose job is to go out and look, you know, you don't think Barry Fry's not, um, doesn't undermine um, Darren Ferguson. I mean, but what he does is he's got his eye across the whole scene and he's looking for players. And realistically, that's what I want from a director of football, somebody whose job is to be knowing what's going on. And even in bringing in players into just coming into the youth team and stuff, knowing that in two years' time, they might be ready for the first team. So somebody's looking at it from that long-term um, long term perspective rather than, and leave it to the managers to look at the short-term. So I think the director of football, definitely.
1: And I think as well, there's there's potentially the Peterborough model is maybe quite a good one. There is maybe a thing around making sure that director of football is very, if you like, segmented off from first team affairs. And that's not just the actual management and tactics. But typically when managers come in, they want to bring in at least some of their own backroom staff. And I think if you've then got a whole backroom staff that reports to the director of football... And the manager's job or the first team coach's job, whatever you want to call it, is like a standalone vacancy. I think that sometimes makes it a bit less attractive for people to come in and take on that job because they feel if they've got to work with the existing coaches, nutritionists, analysts, they might just be a bit less keen to take that on. And I think maybe one way of solving that problem is giving the director of football responsibility for things um, which in a broader sense um, don't pertain to the first team.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to get the dynamics right I think is really challenging because um, you're spot on and some clubs have had real success where they've built quite strong backroom operations and then just kind of churned through managers because there's no real point. And I think a good example of that is probably someone like Watford. Uh, Like Watford, I think, are in the Premier League. They're out, probably outperforming where they, not quote-unquote should be, but where size, clubs of their size generally are probably mid-table championship level. Um, But they've just gone with a model of, quite smart recruitment and contacts and um, obviously they had a bit of money but not a huge amount and they've kind of gone through managers at, you know, at a reasonable churn. Other clubs have obviously gone for fully investing in a single manager so clubs like Acton Stanley, um, Burnley etc again are finding success by just having a real longevity and, and sticking with managers when they get relegated and, and sticking with them from sort of through thick and thin times. Um, but you're right getting the dynamic right is really really important because what we don't want is you know on Martin Allen Martin Allen probably wouldn't have much time for uh, taking advice from a sort of you know 25 year old nutritionist with a degree (laughs) about uh, you know what sort of eggs to give Sam Muggleton Um, (laughs) or he might not want you know he might not take take kind of director of football lining up a few squad players there might be a few short announcements on the website saying we've gone from a squad of you know 45 promising youngsters to just three (laughs) and uh, we've got Bonds and and Muggs and John back Um, but it is an interesting one and I think it's While it's easy to sort of now perhaps say, you know, everything's great, everything's rosy, let's keep cracking. I think we're all in agreement that it would be incredible and brilliant if the current run of form continued. Um, But just as the last few months don't make Dean Brennan a messiah, the next few months where things might get more tricky won't make him a a disaster. I think he's definitely the right man to have in charge of the first team squad. And I think longevity wise, it's just good to have someone in there who's going to sit around for more than three or four months. So I think that'd be great. But... I, I do think the model in the long term is sustainable for us. Um, a quick kind of uh, thought then, just before we move on to to looking at perhaps giving some grades out for the second part of the season, um, is just around expectations. I just mentioned there the point about not getting too excited. We've all sort of said finishing around tenth or so, um, would be reasonable progress. In terms of other things, um, John, perhaps in terms of style of play or in terms of results, obviously there's a chance we can make the playoffs, that'd be fantastic. There's quite a low chance to get relegated. There's perhaps sometimes a danger that these seasons sort of fizzle out a little bit. What sort of key things would you be looking for in the second part of the season that, not irrespective of position finish, but perhaps alongside it, would give you real hope and optimism going forwards?
1: Um, well, I guess one thing which, sadly, we can rule out, I was kind of hoping for a good FA trophy run. Um, I'm not always the biggest fan of the competition because it can get in the way of the playoffs. But if you're a team that's 8th, 9th, 10th, or a bit below, probably just outside the playoffs, you can take the tournament seriously and you can be in pole position. But obviously that's that's not going to happen now. I think the big things for me um, are more about building for the future. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd love to see a strong finish. I'd love to see us put a marker down for next season that gets kind of fans excited, gets a, continues this kind of positive vibe, so that when we get to that, um, first match next August we're hopefully thinking about yeah we can really make the playoffs I think as well it does become easier to attract players if you're Barnet and you finished, finished um, you know what was it uh, 22nd and you've just avoided relegation on a technicality it's a harder sell if you can say look Barnet finished really strongly and they're just outside the playoffs um, it makes it easier to attract players and I guess also It would be nice if we could begin to sort of have the makings, the core of a team for next season. The last two seasons, we've basically been having to start from scratch, and that is so hard to build a team. If we could get to a position where we had maybe six or seven of our starting eleven, and we were only having to sign three or four players, um, if we could just learn enough about the players and enough players could prove themselves, I think that would be really good um and maybe just one or two slightly more memorable wins um we've had a lot of one goal wins and maybe just just a couple of sort of swashbuckling wins where you know you can sort of cheer the fourth or fifth goal going in and it just you look back on the season and and you've got kind of a a fond memory of dominating a few teams that would be nice too yeah
0: that's that sounds like a lovely a lovely set of wish list and i think things that we can all relate with it's interesting i think you talk about building the core of a, a winning side um, and I, I don't want to steal your thunder in any way, but you're talking about perhaps where, where clubs finished the year before they went up as champions. It's quite rare that I think clubs kind of go up in the from the playoffs or from the sort of second or third position and then go on to make the league to be champions. I don't know if you just want to quickly share that, that data so you've got there, John, just to add some context.
1: Yeah, so um, I mean, I just looked at this over the past um, five seasons and I was interested in, you take the team that wins the championship, where did they finish um, the season before? And you go back over the last five years and you've got Sutton, they were 15th, Barrow were 11th, Orient were 13th, Macclesfield were 9th and Lincoln were 13th. So actually over the past five years, um, whereas the playoff winners have tended to be a team that was in the playoffs the year before, actually the last five champions have all come from kind of mid-table. So that is maybe one kind of source of optimism if we're predicting a mid-table finish. That doesn't seem to preclude teams going on and winning the title the next season.
0: Yeah, and I guess in part that might be because of the, the nature of short-term contacts at our, contracts at our level. The players that are getting a high profile in that league that are just missing out are probably quite easy pickings for other clubs or for clubs in the higher division. But you, if you can build a core, perhaps around players like you know Woods and Greenwich and even Mason Clark, uh Oxford, for example, and then look to add a bit on top, that would be great. Um, men, before we wrap up the first part of this then, the same question to you uh as as it was to John in terms of, you know, we, we probably are in all likelihood going to end up in mid table, but what sort of other things would you be looking for um to, to kind of show some real progress this season um aside from the league position?
2: I suppose where I would like us to be is by the end of the season is in a position where it's really clear to us which areas need to be um improved. So there's no uh, ambiguity about, um, you know, oh, should we, shouldn't we, you know, with certain players. I think it'd be key. It'd be nice to be able to go in, in the end of the season to have, like you said, six, seven, eight players in the starting 11 and saying, right, these guys we're going to go with next season. And then knowing, okay, these are the people that we need to have upgrades on. Um, I personally think that the midfield still, it needs a lot of work and the striker. So it's... um. I think that's really clear now. But what would be nice is the team develop some sort of rhythm, some sort of a real, a real, um, uh, really blends by the end of the season, and then the manager, and then go, and then that way, manager by the summertime, manager already knows in his head, all right, I need these two kind of players, I need this kind of player, right? That's it, and it's and it's a seamless, you know, seamless improvement. Much uh, to be honest, a bit like a bit like how um, Martin Allen did it at the end of that season, where he kind of went to the end of the season the team sort of got to the end of the season and he buy- and he had a real clear idea of exactly who he needed to bring in um and then that summer he got went out and got all the players he needed and then we won the league
0: well on that on that positive note of uh, not getting a carried away, which we never do on this podcast. And then need I remind you, your pre-season prediction of Barnet was seventh. So there's still time for that to come true. Uh but um we're gonna take a little pause here and we're gonna come back in just a moment to talk about um our kind of half-term reports for the players and some of the people around the club as well. Um but we're gonna take a little break now and be back with you in just a moment. Welcome back uh, to the second half of our half-term or half-season review. Um, uh, as a teacher, I'm very used to giving out grades, and I'm really excited to continue uh, that tradition uh, by going through and assessing how this latest New Lit Barnet squad has gone at the start of this season. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to have a quick chat uh, about some of the players that we've had playing for us this season. Uh, we're going to discuss some strengths and weaknesses, and I'm going to call upon our esteemed uh, guests to give their grade uh we're going we're going to cap an A star uh which uh, i would hold or reserve for the top 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 uh, and we're going to like, run it all the way down to, a, let's say, an E or a U, if you feel so well inclined. Although there's no Alfie Pavey on the books, so we shouldn't be looking at any E's. Uh, anyway, um, we're going to start uh, with uh, Aston Oxborough, um, uh, the goalkeeper, number 27 for the Bees, 23-year-old, uh, who, of course, joined us at the start of this season, was long rumoured to have been Barnett's number one choice, or at least Brennan's number one choice. Um, and, John, let's start with you, please. Uh, what have you made of Aston? Uh, and, of course, what is that all-important grade you're going to go with?
1: Um, so I've been pretty impressed um, I think he looks like a good keeper He's a good shot stopper He doesn't make many mistakes um, He does um, command his area reasonably well He comes out and punches the ball quite a lot He's not rooted to his line um, So I think I'd probably give him a B I think he's made a, a good start for us Very promising player Oh, interesting Man, what are you going to go with that?
2: Yeah, I largely repeat a lot of what John said I like I like the fact that he comes for a lot of crosses um, He seems quite, um, quite happy to come in a uh, uh, be aggressive and come punch things so I'd give him a B as well
0: yeah agreed I think he's he's been a real positive addition I think Scott Loach we've been actually quite blessed I think Gabana over the last few years to either a have good keepers or have keepers who are often so busy that they are made to look good by default and um, and obviously had Scott Loach for a while and um, we had a kind of couple of situations where we had um, you know Eamon and James Callen stepping in last season but it's good to have I think a really reliable um, kind of you know, goalkeeper between the sticks there. Um, so moving on then to, to the defence, um, and we've got a player who has featured far more under Dean Brennan than he has under, um, or did under Harry Kuhl, and that's Sam Beard, the number 23 for the Bees, of course, joined uh, through last season. So he's been at the club, you know, a veteran by Barnett standards. Uh, obviously came from Dorking uh, in the side below, or the league below, sorry, who have had uh, a couple of good seasons at that level. Um, we're going to reverse order this time round, Mem. Uh what what have you made of Sam this season and where would you grade him? Um if B is uh Mr Oxborough, where is Mr Beard?
2: So he, he Sam was was one of the players. It was him, um and I've just gone blank about the midfielder who's just gone to Bromley, uh, who just who won off young flood Skeffington. Skeffington. So it was him and him and Beard, Skeffington and Beard were the two players that we wanted to keep this season and we managed to keep Sam Beard. And for whatever reason, Harry Kuehl did not rate him and wanted to put Josh Doherty ahead of him. So he couldn't get a game at the beginning of the season. But ever since he's been in the side, he has been phenomenal. Um, He kind of reminds me of Kieran Tierney a bit. He's just motoring up and down that left side. Uh, He's really aggressive. And some of his crossing is is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, there was a ball he put on uh, yesterday across the box, just desperate for somebody to, to read it and just get in there. But he puts, he whips in some delicious balls. Um, and so I would give him, I'm going to give him an A minus.
1: Okay. Uh, John, what about yourself? Um, I think, yeah, probably an A minus. I think he's a, he's a smart player. He's a tidy player. He doesn't make many mistakes. He reads the game well. Um, gives us a little bit going forward as well. Um, in a side that doesn't have that much width. Um, so I think I'd, yeah, I'd agree with them. A minus there.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's a really positive Player, he's a very dependable player. He's got kind of a bit of the Elliot Johnson about him. Like you know what you're going to get every single week. Um, I think probably a little bit more going forwards. Um, it's interesting. Like at Dorking, the the other fullback they have there is is Barry Fuller, and he does sort of remind me of some ways. Defensively, of Barry Fuller, like very good positionally, hardworking. Obviously, not you know incredibly tall, but it's got a real delivery on him, and I think he's a really positive signing. I'm really glad he's come back into the team because I was a bit worried that we were going to end up you know ruining one of those players that comes to us and actually then goes on and moves up a level or moves up a, a, a league even um, to go on and do really really well. So I'd agree with you there on the A minus. Um, we then come to uh, I think probably the, the tallest player uh in uh. The Barnet side there, and um, uh, and we've had a couple of really sort of tall, imposing centre backs in our time. But Sam Reese Greenwich has got to be up there uh, as one of the the largest and perhaps most imposing and strongest, and and I think also beneath that a, a real high level of technical ability in certain areas that has, has got us out of trouble. Um, but he's certainly when you think of you know national league football and you think of a good centre back, he fits a lot of the characteristics there.
1: What have you made of of Reese this season? I, I think he's been fantastic. I think he's. Of any player we've signed I think he's had the most impact um he's good in the air he's just he's physically dominant he's actually got a good touch as well I mean it's you know easy to forget that we, we talk about you know he's, he's tall he's big um got a nice touch um he's been brilliant so he gets an A for me.
2: Mem? Yeah I th- I've i been really impressed with him um when I first saw him I was, I was I could see how you know these big long legs and I thought oh god in, on the ground he's going to be a bit he's going to be a bit dodgy, and he he actually impressed me with with his like one thing I like about him is he um he moves the, uh, I, you know I like a defender that gets the ball and punches it through midfield, and that's and that's one thing he does he doesn't just go sideways all the time he he likes to put a, play it and he likes to put it some pace on it uh, through midfield, um I think he's great and I think and there's a reason why he ended up at Bolton and maybe it just didn't work out for him, um so I, I would like to ke- see if we can keep him at the end of his loan so. I'd give him a B plus myself.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree actually, I'd give him a B plus. I think he's he's fulfills the I think at nationally level in particular, you, you almost have to kind of fulfill the physical box before you can get onto the kind of playing box. And the Boromwood game is a great example of that. Like you've got to sometimes out scrap before you can start playing football, certainly at this level. Um but actually he's one that can can obviously do that side of the game, but on the ball is really impressive. I always think he reads the goal get the, the game very well. He's not sort of a last-ditch defender uh, in the way that we've had some in the past where you kind of get caught out by misreading a certain player or whatever. Um, I think he, he's he got the physical attributes in his locker, but he doesn't bring them out the whole time because often he's in a good place to sort of read the game. I think it's a big, a big as you said, of all the players, John, that have come into the club, I think he's certainly the one that's had the biggest impact in terms of shoring us up defensively um, and indeed starting those d- attacks from deep. I, I guess alongside him, we've had a kind of a rotating cast. Um, we're going to focus mainly on... Uh, one of the players that again joined the club last season, um, and perhaps again has looked far better this year than last year, and that's Ben uh, Richards, Everton. Um, John, let's start with you this time. What have you made of, of Ben this season, um, and how do you think he kind of fits in in terms of your rating of the squad overall?
1: I think I think he's had a good. I think he's had a good season as well. Um, I think um, we look pretty solid uh, with the two of them at the back. I think possibly um rich everton occasionally you feel you might have a mistake in him a little bit more um but he looks pretty solid um he looks good under the the high ball as well he's got a good partnership so um and could be plus for me
2: uh men? yeah i think he's he's been um, there's been a marked improvement in him this season um it's a bit of a scrap going on actually in the, in the, that you know in that defensive area because i i've really really impressed with james turley so um, I think the three of them are having a good old, you know, we'll have a good old tussle for two places. Um, but it also gives us the option of three. And I think, I think, t- you know, I, I agree with John. It does look like he, he does make the occasional mistake, but physically, it's nice having a player who will win a lot of headers. And he, I think, he will score a few as well. I think he's already got a couple this season. But I think he's capable of scoring five, six goals in a season with his uh, with his um, aerial ability. Um, so I would give him a B minus.
0: Yeah, I would give him a B minus. I think he's a, a solid player in some ways. I, I do have a preference for Turley. And it's interesting if you look at the sort of stats, Turley obviously injured for a large part of the season. So apart from the um, glorious, as usual, Barnett losing 5-0 on the first day of the season, apart from that performance, he came to the side, obviously, in that Wildstone game, which we did lose 1-0. But in the six games, uh, including that Willstone game that we've had up until now, we've only conceded four goals. And Turley has played 90 minutes in every single of those, often replacing, you know, Richards Everton, apart from when he comes on for the last minute or so to shore up the defence. So I guess moving on to Jamie Turley, it's perhaps a difficult one to necessarily give a grade to. Um, but Sam, perhaps pushing you on a slightly different question here. If you would sort of pick your ideal centre-back pairing, would you would you kind of partner alongside Greenwich uh, Turley or would you be more tempted to go with Richards Everton?
1: Um, I'd probably go with Richards Everton, I think. Um... What I've seen of Turley, I've quite liked. It's probably more than anything, I've just seen more of Richards Everton. I thought Turley had a good game at, at Boreham Wood yesterday, um, which for any defender, you know, any you want a test of a defender, how do you cope with direct football and can you win headers? That's that's a real test, and I thought he came through that really well.
0: I guess, ma'am, same question to you then. You just mentioned how impressed you have been with Turley. Where, where, does your sort of, where do you feel our best centre-back pairing is?
2: Um, I think it's going to be Turley and another... Um, I think it's just the the nature of it is is that Turley's a bit more of a dogger and he sort of he'll you know he's a bit of a scrapper, um, whereas you kind of got Richards Everton and Greenwich got these have got quite a, quite a nice left feet left foot and they like to bring the ball out and um, but I just think Turley's a, it, it, we look more organised with Turley in the side ever since he's come in we look much more organised. Um, he won a lot of headers yesterday, um, a lot of headers. Um, he's I don't think he's as tall as the other guys. I think he's probably about six one, isn't he? But he gets up really well, um, and he's just, he just—he just—he's got the know-how, hasn't he? He's been in this division, he's won it. He, he, there's something about him. He's clearly—I mean—Thomas is looking a different player with playing next to Turley, and I just think that his overall impact on the side. He's a leader. Um, I would give him just—just just for this period where he's come in, come back in. I know he hasn't played all the games. He's been injured for a lot of it, but I would give him B plus just for the, the impact he's had, um, you know, on, on the, the on the people around him.
0: I mean, that that takes us nicely on to um, Jordan Thomas, who's a player who, again, has had perhaps a, a difficult start to his career at Barnett, Um but in recent games has gone on to impress and has been a part of that back four that's kept uh, so many clean sheets. Uh, John, where do you kind of assess Jordan Thomas this season?
1: Yeah, it's been difficult. I mean, he's been a little bit, um, I think my sense a little bit up and down. Um, I thought he was good yesterday. Um, I do get the sense he's pretty good with a ball at his feet. I'd maybe like to see him... Um, get Forward a little bit more. I think um, it's potentially a fullback that could offer quite a lot going forward as well. Um, So, probably a B minus from me.
2: Uh, Mem? Yeah, I I probably would agree with John on the B minus. I think the the interesting thing about it is is that all of us thought that that Dean Brennan was mad to get rid of David Sise. We all thought, you know, what is he doing? It's like this guy, Cissé, is so good. But I've got a funny feeling that he wanted. I'm thinking about it now in hindsight. I think that maybe what Dean Brennan wanted is he wanted two fullbacks that were going to be secure. And I think Cisse does most of his best work going forward. Um, and I think he really believes, uh, clearly believes in Jordan Thomas. Really believes in him. He's given him a lot of games. And the fact he's got he he, he lets he say go um, to Wildstone suggests to me that he really believes that. that that Jordan Thomas will be a really good player, and I mean, there was a ball he put on yesterday, which I mean, be- Bloomfield just needed to get something on it yesterday, and it was a goal. Uh, it was cl- uh, he just burst past the player, so I think he's got that in his locker, and I agree with John on that. He's got he's got that in his locker that he could do more in the final third. Um, but I think what he's done is, I think what Jordan Thomas has done is, he's tried to go back to basics a little bit, focus on his defending first. Um, whereas I think before he was kind of didn't he, he was still he f- looked like an academy player um but now he's starting to look like a proper like an adult and he's he's growing into the game and I I don't think there's any coincidence it's it's been the uh uh Turley coming into the side has been has been the catalyst in my opinion
0: yeah and I think he's he's just important to remember how young he is he's only 21 years old um this is again like uh some of the other players in the side their sort of first real experience of, of professional men's football and I think he's one of those players that there's raw raw ability there that just needs to be enhanced and and kind of refined over time. Um, we're going to leave out a couple of the other players who perhaps haven't played as much and, and move instead um, to the midfield. Um, we're going to leave out Joe Willison who I think has, has been a huge impact, perhaps I think on squad morale behind the scenes, but unfortunately due to his injury, hasn't played as much and is unlikely to play as much again this season. Um, and we're going to move on to the midfielders. Now, there's, there's quite a few here. I think Mem and I entitled one of our earlier podcasts, Blundle and Pain." Uh, unfortunately, we've moved beyond those dark days now. Um, but we're going to save up for uh, our favourite midfield duo and instead focus um, on... Uh, another player that's recently signed um, a longer term deal at the club, 23-year-old Sam Woods, um, who again, uh, aside from a handful of games at Plymouth and, and Hamilton um, and playing in the Crystal Palace under-23s, is at the start of his football career with limited experience. Um, so again, John, starting with you, please, what have you made of Sam and, uh, and
1: kind of his start
0: to his Barnet career and how would you assess his performance this season?
1: I think he's done pretty well. Um, I think when he came into the side, we, we desperately needed... Um, a Bit more in midfield, we needed a third midfielder. We needed a bit of a defensive minded midfielder who could break up play, do a little bit of the sort of Sam Togwell role. I think he's done that pretty well. Um, probably not the, the most glamorous player in the squad, um, but to build a team, you need players that can just give you that solidity. Um, and I think he's done pretty good. I think that's what he's in the side to do. Um, so I give him a beep,
2: man. I'm still undecided about Sam Woods. I can see from a physical point of view what he can, the benefits of having him in the side, having an extra six footer in the side to defend corners and free kicks, having somebody sit in front of them with the defense and just be disciplined. Um, and it was interesting, actually, Dean Brennan raised it in, I think it was in his m- a, a, a match preview uh, for Bournemouth, where he talks about the fact that they're now working with Sam Woods on being more progressive um i think that's been i think that's the thing that's been holding him back because in midfield we we're not very progressive with the ball um so i'd like to see what you know what improvements he can make in terms of actually using the ball because he clearly knows how to to defend and cover but i think we need a little bit more from him uh so i'm going to go for a c with him
0: yeah i think he's he's one that will take time i think he's one of those players that you probably want to Perhaps using certain games and not others. So I agree with you. I think when you sometimes have them as a perhaps a two in a three-four-three three, or in a you know even as one of the two deeper players against a weaker side, there's a risk that you become a little bit too defensive and not progressive enough on the ball when you compare him to someone like Flanagan, who I think is a lot more progressive and actually a really exciting player in that, in that role. Um, but similarly in your sort of big games against your notts counties and your, you know, your uh, Stockports etc., I think he's done really well in that sort of holding role, just adding a lot of physicality, but also kind of, again, being quite smart with positioning and, and making us look very, very solid. Um, next is a player who um, I've just mentioned there, Keen Flanagan. Um, I think, not quite sure really what's happened with him, but if I'm really honest, I think he was one of the players at the start of the season, I was really excited by I thought he, um, he came with a quite good reputation. Again, another young player, only 22 years old, came from Crystal Palace Youth Academy and was highly rated by all accounts when he was there. And, um, and then actually was one of the sort of brightest sparks of the Kuhl era, uh, where there were very few bright sparks, including indeed Mr. Kuhl, uh around. And, um, Again, John, what have you made of, of Kean this season? And, and do you have any sort of thoughts as to perhaps, you know, why he's struggled, even when he hasn't been injured, to sort of get in and out of the squad under Brennan?
1: I mean, I think I share a lot of your sense on on Keane. I was quite excited about him. He'd come from Palace. I always think, oh, you know, Premier League Academy background. They're going to be, you know, someone with really good technique. Um, could be a sort of, you know creative player that can offer us a bit of sparkle in the midfield. Um, Didn't um, see much of that. To be fair, he was playing in a... Often playing under Cule when we weren't playing very well. Um, I suspect the reason Brennan hasn't picked him is... I get the sense Brennan picks the system first and then gets the players to go with it. And I think he's maybe... Um, suffered a bit because I think he's harder to fit into a Brennan system. When Brennan was looking to to beef up the midfield, to be a bit more solid in the middle, I think perhaps he thought, oh, Kian's a little bit too much of a luxury player, um, especially if you perhaps got Rob Hall or Ephraim Mason-Clark starting as well. And so I think that's perhaps why he's not played as much.
0: Mem, what do you, what are your thoughts on, on that?
2: Well, I think he's been injured, hasn't he, lately? Yeah, because, he like, has. Because, it, yeah. because no, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the side because... Um, I mean, uh, you know, echoing the points about, you know, I was excited about seeing him. I actually think his ceiling is really high. I I really, really like him as a player. I think he's got a lot of capabilities. I think the the thing is, he he just hasn't sparked yet. There's been moments where it's clearly he's a really good player. Um, But he just needs to, I think he still needs to put his game together. Uh, And by that, I mean, is is that it's sometimes you can have have all the raw ingredients, uh, much like Efron, you know, you can have all the raw ingredients, but it's about putting it together and trying to put together a run of, uh, of, of performances. And I think uh, Kian is still finding his way with that. But he has, of, of the midfield players that we have, talent-wise, he's by, he's by far and away the best midfield player we've got. Um, it's just that he needs now to get his game together. And this injury he's had probably come at the wrong time because I actually thought he was starting to get a couple of games together. Um, and also the fact that Dean Brennan's playing a 4-3-3 in most games suits him. Sam Wood's holding, he can play as one of the, the shuttlers either side. So um, yeah, so I, if I was gonna rate him, I'm gonna give him a C plus.
0: Yeah, I, I think I go with a C plus as well. I think he's a, a really exciting player on the ball, very progressive. I think again, what you need in certain types of games, um, obviously his injury hasn't helped, but he was, you know, even that his minutes have sort of dropped off quite a bit since the start of the season where you know, since the sort of Chesterfield, he played the first sort of ninety minutes of every game this season, and then from the sort of Chesterfield game onwards, has has only completed uh, you know ninety minutes uh, sort of three times. So, um, obviously, injury aside, and we really hope he gets back to it soon. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he kind of does fit into any system that Brennan puts together, as you said there, John. Because um, there is a risk that sometimes we've seen these talented players at Barnet not quite fit into our system, but then go on to other clubs and have real success where the side is slightly more suited to their to their needs. Away from perhaps the slightly uh, more positive players, we're going we're gonna to leave aside for a moment uh, de Havilland, uh, Granville, uh, Fongook, Tazdemir and Vasily, just because, again, they haven't quite had the minutes that we'd like. We're going to come on to our two favourite midfielders uh, in order. We're going to build up to the big event. Uh, but we're going to start with Josh Payne. Um, now, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Where to start? Well, the first thing is he hasn't started much. He's played ten minutes uh, really since Brennan took uh, pretty much full control. Um, he obviously played a couple of games at the start, but again, a player thirty-one years old coming towards the end of his career, a cut, you know, a couple of games at Ebbsfleet a-, a few seasons ago, then Crawley, Eastley, Woking, etc. A-, a long record of of clunking around the lower leagues. Um, Sam,
1: John, apologies. Uh, what is your take uh, on Josh Payne? Um, yeah, I mean, he hasn't played much under Brennan. Um, I didn't really see much in those first seven games under Kuhl that, that really got me excited. So um, I think a C- minus at best. Um, I'd be surprised if he plays much in the remainder of the season. Might get the odd appearance if we've got injuries or COVID, but um, not a particularly inspiring start to the season from him.
2: Men? I think C-minus is quite, is quite uh, what's the word? Um, <laughs> Diplomatic. Diplomatic. <laughs> I, I think, to be honest, he's been awful. Uh, in my opinion, he's far too slow. Um, I think the, the reason he's in the side is, is as a progressive ball player. Um, but he just doesn't have the phys- physicality. He's clearly right at the end of his career. And I, it's such a random sign-in. You know, I, I don't understand why we brought him in. But obviously, um, Keel liked him. He's been out he's been off the pace in every single game I've watched. I can't give him anything higher than a knee.
0: <laughs> Mem endearing himself. Wielding the wielding the power as the secretary of the BFSCA there, Mem. Uh, John going with a more diplomatic approach. I mean, I think he's yeah, it's just an odd signing, and I hope it's a one year deal, is all I'm gonna say on the matter. Um and I'm I'm gonna join you. I think Mem in a you know a D minus. Uh, because we come on to our favourite midfielder. Uh the man, the myth, the legends. Now uh, we had a we had a, <laughs> we had a you know a conversation a few weeks ago. Obviously, Mitch Brundle, twenty seven years old now, so no longer twenty six. He's turned twenty seven, uh, which is an extraordinary. Uh, well, he's just an extraordinary guy in general. Uh, he's been a stalwart of Barnet, played every single uh, minute of Barnet's league season. Um, I think probably the only player that's done that. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to some in-depth analysis here. I'm going to start with men first of all. Uh, What have you made of our friend, Mr. Brundle?
2: (laughs) What can I say about the legend? Um, I, I don't get him. I just don't get him. I've tried. I've really tried. I don't get him. He looks sluggish. He looks off the pace. He scored a couple of goals, but most of them have come from dead ball kicks. In open play... He's a passenger the whole time. I watched him against Bournemouth yesterday and he was always second. Every single ball that dropped, he was second. He, he He's so slow. And he's not scoring enough goals to justify him playing in that sort of advanced midfield role. Uh, yesterday he played as one as two. But if we've got any intentions of doing better than you know than you know of, of if you've got any aspirations to progress he can't be a regular player in our team uh, I, I i don't get him i don't get him i'd love to have a chat with dean brennan and say what do you see in him i've had people say to me like swear blind he's he's been much improved i just don't get it i don't get him and um and, you know and that's that's without even discussing some of the you know questionable uh you know um things that he says um you know, on his Twitter account. So, um, so yeah. So, uh, I'm going to give him. I'll tell you what. I'm not going to give him a D on the basis that he's filled in at centre back when, when we needed players there. So fair play to him. Um, I'm going to give him a C minus.
0: I see inflation's not just a running riot in the Bank of England. There, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think yeah, there, there could be this sort of thing that we're all missing. This sort of Owen Hargreaves in 2006 when the Sun newspaper were going full turnip. Um, And saying, oh, you know, this Canadian guy doesn't know anything about football. And then he turned out to be the, you know, the player that had we probably played him at the heart of England's midfield for the previous five years, he might have won something. Um, But I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, So I'm going to go to John instead and and just sort of delegate this one out. John, what are your thoughts following on from what Mem said there?
1: Um, I mean, I very much agree with what Mem said. Um, I think think he's spot on. Um, I think the two things i would maybe add are... um, I actually watched uh, Mitch Brundle's highlights video on YouTube, um, which, you know, you do get them now, and I appreciate, you know, it's edited, it's there as a marketing thing, it's done by his agent. The interesting thing is when you watch the highlights video, you think you're sort of getting a box-to-box midfielder, sort of a Frank Lampard guy who's going to be going back and forward. <laughs> Was it sped up? <laughs>
0: It's an easy target. (laughs) It's a slow-moving, easy target. it's good. It's not Not lying.
1: Yeah, so you think you're getting a... You watch the highlights video. You think you're getting a kind of box-to-box midfielder. Um, He seemed to score... I mean, obviously, it's edited, but he seemed to score quite a lot of goals for Dover, and he had that sort of Frank Lampard bit about him where he would be the midfielder that would sort of come in in a sort of second wave of runners behind the strikers and have a tidy finish. And we've just not seen any of that from him. And I just think if you're... If your role is as that type of player, then to sort of you know a basic requirement is that after what we twenty games of the season, you should have imposed yourselves on yourself on a few games. You you should have been the key man in a few games, Um, and we haven't really seen that from him. So um, I think uh, yeah, given that he filled in at centre back in a difficult time, um, and he's he's played every minute, so at least he stayed injury free. So I'll I'll give him a C minus with Mem it's interesting about Brundle because I think he's
0: he's clearly very deficient I think in terms of physically and also I think on the ball a limited player um, I do feel that he was kind of harshly exposed and we talked about this men previously where he was you know Keel's formation was almost deliberately set up to let him fail right you know how do you let a player like Brundle fail where well, you basically create a massive gap between your, your back four your midfield and your front players and say good luck running that for for 80 minutes and he really really did struggle Um but you know, a, a lot of players, Alfie Pavey, have scored goals at Dover. I don't know quite what happens down there. Um, you know, I don't I don't know how they record their highlights or what they do. But you get these players that come from Dover, and it always is Dover, and they just can't seem to perform it anywhere else apart from that mud patch of the grounds. I mean, he does have reputations of box to box midfielder, but he's you know scored six, eight, three, four goals or so in in previous in previous seasons. So um, it's an interesting one. At the same time, you know, he he has been part you know, he, he's not so deficient clearly in some ways that he's causing us to be a terrible team. So it's a really interesting one. And I think it's one we're going to have to put to to people in due course, man, to kind of really figure out the enigma uh, that is uh, Mitch Brundle. Um, but there we go. Give us your grade, mate.
2: Stop uh, stop, grade. Stop, 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 uh, stop. delaying it. Gives you your grade.
0: Uh, a D minus. You cannot give that guy more than a D minus. That's extraordinary. Uh, but anyway. Uh, Okay, we're going to move wow, on. I just
2: want to get that on record. Get that on record. Get that on record <laughs> that you gave him a lower mark than me. You know.
0: Okay. c minus, man, that is amazing. <laughs> you know. Uh what do you give Oxborough a B minus? So he's only half a he's only half a grade behind Oxford. That's fantastic. The the wonders of football punditry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh we move on to um our final category then, uh, our attackers. Um and a handful of players here who've have all kind of done reasonably well since they've uh, come in. But we're gonna start on a slightly more positive note. You Oh, Harry Taylor, of course. Apologies. I was going to... Well, of course, i jumped ahead of myself. He, could, he can play pretty much anywhere. So, he he uh... does. I'm going to I'm gonna include Harry Taylor at the end as part of our attackers. Um, because as John says, he can play pretty much anywhere. Um, we're going to start actually with a, a player who I'd like to think has probably been one of the most improved that we've seen this season. Um, one that's been taught up hugely by Dean Brennan. And that is Ephraim Mason-Clark. Um, and I'm going to go to you, John, first of all.
1: Yeah, I mean... Um... It kind of felt like the you know, difference between the Cuell era and the Brennan era for, for Efron was, was pretty large. Um, I think he's really come on under, under Dean Brennan. Brennan often likes playing with that kind of wide attackers. Um, so that suits him very well. Um, I think he's kind of back to his best. Um, very harshly sent off at Yeovil. Um, and I think he's been really good. So he gets an A- from me.
2: man Efron Mason-Clark, this is a season where his game is just completely clicked. Um, is it he, well? To be fair, actually, I thought the right at the start of the of last season, Efron was playing some of the best football he played right at the beginning of the season under Beadle, and then he got, I think he got COVID, and he was and and he was wasn't the same player the rest of the season. And by that point, the team was a pile of was a pile of shit. So um, you know, and I think that affected him. But this season, he started out the blocks and he's maintained it um this season i just i like to see him score more goals that's all i'd like to see him score but he's got a few but i think he needs to be pushing for 10 goals and i I think for his career he needs to be pushing for 10 goals if he really wants to be playing at a higher level because people will need to be seeing end product now and most wide players now most wide forwards these days score a lot of goals so but i think um I, i think he will probably not be with us from the summer
0: in the interest of time, we're going to divide up between the the three of us and um, the kind of handful of remaining players. Um, and the first uh, I'd like to go to is is uh, John for Adam Marrier, a player who um, has perhaps taken his time to to get going, but has again added some useful goals and some really valuable goals at, at key points, certainly in the last few weeks. Um, where where would you assess uh, Adam John?
1: Um, I'd probably give him a B plus. I think he's been he's been good. He's been tidy. Um, not super fast, doesn't have a huge physical presence. Um, I think he struggles a little bit sometimes um, when he ends up getting a little bit isolated up front on his own, Um, but quite a tidy finisher. Um, But as as I think I've said earlier, we have lacked a little bit of punch up front, so I think I can only give him a B-. Uh, Mem, I'm going to
2: go to you for Robert Hall. So... I don't think he's been here long enough to get an A, but I would definitely give him. Uh, I'm going to give him a B minus, a uh, B plus. Sorry, I think he. What he's since he's been here, he's been really positive. His delivery's great. Um, he's scored some very important goals, um, and I think that if he can, if we can keep him, uh, keep managing his minutes and keep managing him, um, I think potentially by the end of the season, he could be an A. I
1: think Rob Hall deserves an A because he's, he's the most. Um, he's gives us the most sparkle. He's the one player I most like watching. He's the one player you, I really want to get on the ball. He's got great feet, um, lovely delivery. So I've got to disagree with you there, ma'am, I think. Um, for purely aesthetic reasons, he gets an A from me. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, I'm going to give Mitch, Mitch Bloomfield a,
0: a, a B, my end. Um, I think he's, again, been maybe a BB B minus. I think he's a He's a solid option. I think he does a lot of hard work, a lot of running. I think he helps make us a lot more actually solid defensively in terms of the pressure he puts the ball in the right area and also gives us a good kind of physical outlet as well as being a good defensive outlet from set pieces. So I'm going to give him a B. And I'm going to finish off with with Harry Taylor um, in the final few minutes or so. And I think Harry for me again comes in as a B, B plus. I think he's such an underrated player. We've seen him so much now perform at different levels. I think you know he's got that quality to be a a League Two player at the very, very least. Um, I think he's Shown an incredible adaptability, real loyalty to the club in sticking around when uh, you know he's seen essentially three or four quite good sides dismantled. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and give Harry a, a B plus, um, and I'm going to wrap up with our final uh, grade. Um, and the final part of the pod is this here, uh, which is a grade for Dean Brennan, uh, the man who has taken control of first team affairs in the last few months. I'm going to start with
2: Mem. I'm going to go for a B plus. I think he's done really well. Um, I think he has uh, organised the team very well. He's got the team now, he's got an identity, positivity. There's a lot of positivity. He's done really well with um, trying to engage with the fans as well. Um, and he continues to, uh, to try and engage with the fans. So I think he's done a really good job. I, I mean, if he, if he was basically, um, if we were winning games, bigger margins, or there was, you know, really sort of starting to smash up teams, I probably would have given him an A. But I think B plus is good is good for him.
1: Uh John? Um, I'd give him an A. I think he's done brilliantly. Um, He took over a team that had two points from seven games. That had its lowest league finish in 40 years. There was a bad atmosphere on the terraces and um, he's turned it round. Um, I think I think he's, you know, I'm I'm enjoying going to Barnett games again, which is kind of kind of the point if you're travelling and paying. Um, I think his comms are really good too. Um, Often managers, I don't really listen to their post-match interview because I find it a bit cliche-ridden. But Dean Dean Brennan's always interesting, always honest, always fair. And he just has a massive smile on his face. He just seems to absolutely love managing a professional football team. And he sort of brought a bit of the good vibe back to the club. So um, I'll give him an A. I'm going to give him an A as well. I think the only thing that's knocking him off an A-plus is the shorts, which for me,
0: I think is, you know, it's uh, it's it's iconic, uh, but I think it's worthy of losing half a grade. Uh, gents, it's been an absolute pleasure spending the last hour with you both uh, talking about the club we love so much. Um, it's clear that we're going in a more uh, positive trajectory and hopefully in the coming weeks we'll be able to maintain that. Um, but until then, uh, we hope that everyone listening is safe and well. We look forward to seeing you hopefully at a Barnet game very soon. Um, and as... Um, you know john said at the start although the playoffs might be towards the upper end of what we could achieve this year let's really hope uh, for some positive uh, moments and memories that we can all enjoy because ultimately that's what it's all about um when you're not competing for things at the very very top is having a great time supporting the club and um, so thank you very much uh to both of you thank you uh, john thank you Mem. Uh, a happy new year to everyone listening and we look forward to uh speaking to you and seeing you at games very very soon take care